Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Mandy Walls. Find me at LNXCHK on Twitter. All right. Thanks, folks. Welcome back to Page It to the Limit. This week, we're going to talk about value stream management. I'm here today with Helen Beal. Helen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You are like, you're like the busiest woman in DevOps. Like, what are you doing these days? I get bored really easily. So I've got <laughs> lots of hats, all my fingers in lots of pies, however you want to put it. Um, so yeah, I do. Uh, I'm a chair of the Valley Stream Management Consortium. I'm a co-chair of the Valley Stream Management Interoperability Technical Committee at Oasis. That's a bit of a mouthful. So yeah. I practice learning to say that. I'm also Chief Ambassador at DevOps Institute. And I write and I chat and I just talk about all this stuff that I love, which is mainly DevOps and Valley Stream Management. I think we're going to focus in on today. Yes, excellent. So tell us about, like for folks who are new to value stream management, or they're not really sure exactly what it all means. Like, what is it? And why are we talking about it now? I think maybe if we start with the the kind of customer in mind, yeah. the goal really of value stream management is to improve customer experience. And the sub goal of that is to improve organizational performance, because it goes to, to show if your customers are happy, they're going to buy more of your product or service, they're going to recommend it to more of your, their friends, family, colleagues. Um, so your business is going to be more successful. So that's where it's coming from. How does it do it? Well, it does it because it improves flow. So by flow, we mean the way that we deliver things. So basically getting things to your customer faster. But conceptually, time to market isn't that useful if what you're producing isn't what the customer wants. So we talk about time to value, or actually sometimes we talk about time to actionable insight, because what we want is to be producing the right thing. So it's not just about how efficient we can be, it's about how effective we can be. So at the Value Stream Management Consortium, or I might say the VSMC in the future, um, just to shorten it a bit, we talk about this duality and the duality being flow and value realisation, efficiency and effectiveness. And I should probably mention that it's not a new thing as well. The history of value stream management, some people draw all the way back to Venice in the 1400s, to the Venetian oh Arsenal, in terms of when humans started to diagram out information and materials flow. And of course, Ford came along and then Toyota with TPS in Japan in the 1950s. And we started getting more and more sort of visual collaboration around the production of things and value stream mapping came about. And in the 1990s, people started to use the term value stream management. But all the way through this, it was quite focused on the manufacturing industry. And of course, we work in the technology industry. And I'm going to say yeah. the software industry, and um, specifically these days, even infrastructure becoming much more codified and software oriented than ever before with cloud and all of that stuff. So we're kind of going on under like a renaissance with value stream management. And it is different in our digital world. It's different because our value streams are effectively invisible. You can't walk into a factory and see all of the parts on a conveyor belt and how they're being pieced, pieced together. And another big thing is in digital, we have long-lived products. And when we make a change to that long-lived product, 
it's a one-time only change normally. It's an enhancement or a bug fix. Whereas in manufacturing, what we do is we design a product. Like we always use Heinz ketchup for some reason as an example. I um, love Heinz ketchup. It's fine. Yeah. Lots of people do. That's, that's probably the reason. So you design your ketchup. And actually my mum used to work for Heinz, kind of diverting slightly many, many years ago in Ealing. So she probably did some of this. You design the recipe, you test it, you pasteurize it, you see how long it's going to last in people's fridges. You test out preservatives and all that kind of stuff. And then you design a bottle and a label you price it all up and do all of that and then you start manufacturing it and you manufacture it I mean I don't know how many bottles of Heinz ketchup have been made over the years I cannot imagine yeah billions almost certainly but we don't do that in software we don't create the same bottle of thing billions of times it's kind of a one-off thing so we spend a lot more time in the design and development phase and much less time in the production and delivery phase and DevOps has contributed to that as well because we automate that phase using CICD so we shorten it even more in terms of getting that thing to market. Yeah definitely it's been interesting especially over the last 10 years to watch DevOps start to pull and learn from manufacturing like the stuff about lean everything that toyota learned like you mentioned in the 50s and bringing in all that kind i talk about automation and all of that stuff emerged in like the late 60s with like nuclear power generation and some of these other like signal to noise and all this other kind of stuff um super interesting to to start gearing up for all these things that other folks have already learned and how they apply to their industry and how we can apply them to to technology is super interesting. Absolutely. And I used to talk a lot actually about DevOps as a conceptually as a super pattern. And it happened because I was at a show, it was such a long time ago now, maybe even like coming up to 10 years in Germany somewhere. I think it was in Munich and John Willis was there and I did a couple of presentations. And one was a repetition of one that I'd done at DevOps Enterprise Summit London that year with Lego. And it was about correlations between holacracy and DevOps. And then I did another one that I'd ripped off. She won't mind me saying, my very good friend, Jane Grohl, the ex-CEO at DevOps Institute. She used to talk about the harmonious polygamous marriage between lean, agile, and ITSM, and this kind of love child that those three things produce, which is DevOps. So, you know, you combine your agile and your ITSM, you apply some lean, and that's now you've got DevOps. And um, John came up to me and he said, I've been talking about the three-legged stool, and his three-legged stool was something like safety culture, learning organisations, and I think the theory of constraints. Mm-hmm. So together we kind of came up with this idea of the super pattern, and if you search on YouTube or somewhere, you'll probably find some ancient presentations around it. But it was kind of this idea, and I used to have a presentation where I used to do the side of a pound coin and then an Oasis album cover because they talked about standing on the shoulders of giants. And this is the idea. It's like all these yeah. thought streams are kind of coming together and we're taking the best of the learnings, all of them, like you said, about nuclear power stations and all these other things and putting them together into something we can apply to improve what we're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. I want to kick off the, the sort of next question, but I want to ask you about debunking a myth, something that we... Uh, recurrently ask folks on the the podcast to sort of go into things that people have misconceptions about, about the topic that we're talking about. I think this will lead us into the next section here is like, so I'm sure there's a lot of myths about value stream management. What's a, what's a good one that you'd like to debunk for folks that are listening today? I think the key one right now in the market is that value stream mapping is value stream management. And I completely understand why people think that and the way that it normally 
kind of the way that I see it on a day-to-day basis. So I'll, I'll have a conversation with somebody and I'll say value stream management. And they'll go, yeah, I know about that. We've been doing some value stream mapping. And I'll be like, at that point, I'll be like, oh, okay, this person maybe is new to value stream management. We may need to explore kind of the breadth of both of these things. But it's completely natural because most people's entry point into value stream management is value stream mapping. And it's completely the same for me. Um, I remember it's probably slightly illegal, but I probably won't get prosecuted for this. Um, the very first value stream mapping exercise I did was in North London. And while I was driving around a very famous road in the UK called the M25, which is yes. basically Circles London, um, we also call it the car park in the UK because it runs very, very slowly a lot of the time. So I was actually in my car driving up to this meeting with a colleague of mine, Daniel Breston, who is very experienced in value stream mapping, about to do my first value stream mapping exercise under his guidance. But I had Karen Martin on YouTube playing on my phone as I was driving around the M25. So... That's how I've kind of first even heard of Valley Streams was through Daniel Breston. And this was actually pre the DevOps handbook being yeah. published. And he and I used to do Valley Stream mapping as an exercise with people that wanted to adopt DevOps because it was such an incredible way of getting a group of people in a room, getting them to visually collaborate and getting them to look for areas of improvement and introduce the concepts around DevOps practices, whether it was a cultural attribute about the way that we build teams or the way that we communicate and collaborate together or whether it was something more technical in the way that we might test or build a product. It was a very effective way. So we did loads of value stream mapping. DevOps Handbook came out. I think it's like chapters two and three. It starts talking about value streams. I can look. I have it on the shelf behind me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's quite early. It talks about how to identify one and the importance of it. And it doesn't quite go as far as value stream management. But we've had value streams and that concept, because it's a lean concept at its core, we established it comes from TPS in part, and it was so exciting for us to see it come out in DevOps Handbook because we're like, yes, we've been doing the right thing. So, you know, DevOps has been emerging and people were quite resistant to really stamping down what it was. So a lot of practitioners like us were experimenting with different things. So lots of people did value stream mapping. I did loads of value stream mapping. And then my switch to value stream management came about in 2019. I went to the DevOps Enterprise Summit in London that year. I actually went on an InfoQ press pass. And I've seen a lot of people talking about value stream management. So I went to the event with the intention of uh, creating an article about this, uh, what seemed to be an emerging topic, and interviewed a number of uh, vendors like Tasktop, who's now uh, PlanView, and uh, Plutora and ConnectAll, and particularly with Jeff Kais, then at Plutora, it was a bit of a meeting of minds. On my slides, my company slides at the time, at, at the bottom, I had a strap line that said optimizing the flow from idea to value realization. And speaking to him, I realized this was exactly what value stream management was about and that I was getting frustrated with people that were defining DevOps tool chains as a CI/CD pipeline because I saw it starting much earlier at the front of the fuzzy front end. I saw it finishing much later after service desk and operations into customer feedback. And this was where value stream management was coming together. Additionally, I sound like I was really frustrated. I was also really frustrated (laughs) because... I do these value stream mapping exercises with my clients and they'd be brilliant. We'd like do them sometimes over four days. I mean, it, oh you know, my. it's a lot of, a lot of effort yeah. to so get these people in the room. We'd all have a wonderful time. There'd be, you know, loads of epiphanies, light bulb moments. Sometimes there'd be rows and things would get emotional. And that would be our job as the facilitators is to kind of referee and keep us going from not going down rabbit holes. 
and everyone would have a great time. You'd finish the session, you'd have your future value stream map, your action plan or your hypothesis backlog. Everyone was like really fired up. You'd leave the room, go off and do something else. And he'd come back a little while later. And the poor guys had either not managed to do anything because of this thing we call BAU, or they'd done some things, but they couldn't figure out what they'd done or how it could how to get the time to figure out what happened. So we had these value stream mapping exercises that on the face of them look really powerful, but kind of weren't followed upright. Mm. And this was quite similar to another experience I was having. We had metrics workshops. So I'd sit with people to try and figure out what DevOps metrics they would, should use, where they were going to get them from, how the, often they were going to check them. And similarly, I'd go away from the workshop, come back, see how they were doing. And quite often, maybe they'd got some reports in JIRA or something, but not an awful lot had happened. So value stream management comes along and I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. This is different because it's a set of principles and practices it's another way of working but it's really focused on that end-to-end flow and then the other reason I talked about two reasons earlier why it's got renaissance now because of technology kind of being different the other part of it is that we've built DevOps tool chains we've spent over 10 years doing this so what we've effectively built is like an abstracted technological model of what a value stream is that can we can make it emit the data So if it emits the data, we can observe the data, we can transform the data in a way that it looks like a value stream and tells us things we want to know about our value stream, like where are the delays, where are the bottlenecks, how long is it taking me to get from here to there, what's my customer feeling when we finally release that thing, was it worth the amount of effort we put into it. So that was kind of, that was my big epiphany, um, really. It was like, suddenly I've got a thing that I can take to all these people that couldn't get back together to look at their value stream again, couldn't work out what metrics to do. Now we have a key enabler that automates the inspection and adaptation or automates the data that allows for the inspection and adaptation of a value stream and gets us to a point where we can understand more clearly about what our customer is experiencing real time rather than just using the lagging metrics of profit and revenue that tell us what our customer thought about us like three months ago, Mm -hmm. eight months ago. So for folks who want to go down this path, like, do they start with with mapping and then incorporate that into like a value stream management practice? Is there like a recommended way that that folks are like, man, this sounds amazing. How do you really get started with all of this stuff? Yeah, so in 2020, I kind of forget what year in sometimes, in 2021, (laughs) we produced the first state of VSM report, and then we did a second one last year. We were about to launch a survey um, for this year, it's 2023, it's the third one. In that first year report, we we introduced something called the VSM Implementation Roadmap. Oh, excellent. And that's a good reference point to start with. And in the second year, so last year's report, we actually built the entire report around that roadmap, so the different steps on it. And in it, we kind of say, you know, start where you are. One of the things we explore is why people don't start value stream management and whether people are not doing it because they don't think they've done enough DevOps or whatever. You can really start where you are. But the first thing you need to do is get your long-term vision and goals in place. You need to understand why you're doing it. So what is it about your business? or your team that you want to change. So, you know, do you want to go faster? Have you got a problem with quality? Are you being disrupted? Are you wanting to diversify? What is it you're trying to do? And then you need to identify your value stream. Now, 
One of the things we're working on at the consortium at the moment is a series of workshops that align to the implementation roadmap. So the first one's coming up soon, which is about identifying your value stream. So we're coming up with lots of tips, tools um, to help people do that because some people find it complicated and difficult, which is understandable when we a lot of us have been taught to work in silos for so yeah. long. It's suddenly difficult to see that people spread across multiple components or steps of a value stream and that all these different processes slot together um, to get from idea to customer experience. Then we organise around the value stream. Now, I'm kind of touching on this in my brain a little bit. Organisations are all different and different yeah. sizes and made up of different configurations. So there isn't a really one size fits all. And when I've looked at people adopting DevOps in the past, it's like you can't wholesale get an organisation to change their way of thinking working overnight. It's kind of like it's evolution, it's incremental, it takes a while. And this is the same value stream management. We might get onto the more of the relationship between DevOps and VSM in a minute. But the next thing is to organise, so identify those people around you. And they might not be in the same team. They mostly are not in the same team. But you shouldn't let your organisational chart like prevent you from getting people in the same room. And I think it was Spotify in their engineering culture videos years ago that mm. said that the organisational chart is just an illusion. And that's quite true, I think. And it's about getting the, the people that are doing the work together in the right place. Then the next step we suggest in the map in the implementation map is to do the value stream mapping exercise and when I wrote the map and designed the map the next step that comes is connect which is about connecting your devil's tool chase so you can see the work so it's about making work visible and I thought about what I've been preaching and lots of practitioners have been preaching to the market forever which is the old mantra of people process tools yeah. and I thought if I put connect before map on there I've effectively gone people tools process and that's going to like annoy people so I thought okay let's put map first and then we'll put connect so we published this report and almost within 24 hours someone in Australia had written a blog post saying yeah you could do the connect step before the map and I'm like oh wasn't just me yeah we have the tools there and again you can't connect all parts of your value stream overnight it takes it's incremental parts you have to pick the you know two parts to begin with commonly people will pick like the product backlog and the service desk and say right we need to make these two pieces more visible and more traceable together once you've done all those steps the vsm implementation roadmap says now you can inspect and adapt and this then becomes easy this is the point i was making earlier you don't have to get all those people back in a room and and get those opinions on the table and value stream mm -hmm. is opinion based let's not forget that um, it's incredibly accurate you know i've done value stream mapping and you go through this day-long task of putting all the steps on the board putting all the touch time putting all the wait time doing all the calculations putting all the people on it and people have gone, oh, it was 180 days when we did it, but they've just like built it from, they've kind of reverse engineered it effectively. Yeah. And then gone, oh, wow, it was as long as we thought it took. So yes, that's what we're trying to do. Oh, yes, the inspector app. So now what you've done is you've got real-time data. So you're now data-driven, not opinion-driven, because it's coming from your tools, it's accurate, you're being, and you can inspect and adapt whenever you want. So an example we take is if you're following Scrum, you could use Scrum events. So you could inspect against OKRs at Scrum planning and at Scrum review, um, even at retrospective, if you wanted a, a slightly different measure that you were looking at. Um, you could even use it in a daily stand-up, potentially, if you were tracking a particular, depending on what speed you're working, if you're tra tracking a particular metric. That's super interesting. That's an interesting idea to like keep it as top of mind for folks like as often as possible while they're trying to improve it. So it's sort of constantly in the conversation versus something that you 
kind of visit every quarter and then like really like the 48 hours before the meeting people are like oh yeah what did we actually do with this thing and then make something up it's like continuous inspection right and the other thing is you're you're being driven by your goals rather than your work in this instance yeah that sounds great this sounds amazing right yeah why isn't everyone doing it yeah right (laughs) so you mentioned devops a few times like is there like an explicit prescribed relationship between devops and vsm like it just feels like as you've described it, VSM really fits pretty naturally into what most folks kind of probably think their aspirational goals are for why they're going to do DevOps other than it just sounds cool. But like, is there sort of an explicit way that you think about the relationship between DevOps and VSM? So I swing between, or maybe I've got a fit in both camps. One Mm -hmm. is that it's the next generation DevOps. And the other is that DevOps is the toolkit that enables VSM. So if I go into each of those in a bit more detail, and I've done a lot of presentations on this, um, again, that you could probably search on YouTube or in my speaker deck. And it goes back to the 2021 state of DevOps report from Puppet, or a lot of my, a lot of the kind of grounding of the data is there. And what that particular report showed is that a lot of the, the, the basically the mid-level performers in terms of DevOps capabilities, have kind of got stuck year on year on year. We're not managing yeah. to move them out of that capability level to the higher level. So it needs something to unlock that stagnation. And I think that stagnation is partly to do with people's inability to show how to continually improve or to fight for the time internally to prioritise improvement over change. Yes. Because they haven't got any data. So it's all hearsay and they're all mm-hmm. controlled by the business still because people haven't really understood that we are software companies. The world is disrupted by technology and now the technology teams are the strategic enablers. So still being treated as order takers. So what VSM does, and this is where I think a lot of the analysts like Gartner that have been like, this is a must do, this is a must have. If you want to like succeed in DevOps, you have to do VSM. What VSM does, I think, is makes the work visible in a way that allows people to say, if we make these changes, we're going to be able to give you so much more stuff. And that's basically the argument for the business. We can increase our capacity by X degrees so we can we can leapfrog the competition. So that's kind of the next generation DevOps thing. And then the DevOps toolkit argument is well, like, well, how do you do this, right? If you discover a delay or a bottleneck and it's that you're waiting six weeks for security to give you something, you go and get the DevSecOps book and you read that and you figure out how you're going to collaborate better. If it's that you're having to go round and round and round testing because you're chucking out such poor quality stuff, you go to the DevOps handbook and look at uh, team topologies and how to fit together like that and then you get into some automated testing and then you know there's all of these things are devops practices that enable vsm so there's a, a really really close relationship in my mind but what's been really interesting working at the consortium is that my background quite clearly is devops that's where i've, I've come from but the consortium has brought me into communities i didn't know before so kind of like the really strong lean practitioners the people that are like Agile purists. We've even got like manufacturing companies that are getting involved as well who are kind of new to tech. So it's kind of crossing a lot of communities, which is interesting. So a lot of people come from it from different ways. But for me, it's next generation DevOps and DevOps are the key enablers. Oh, super interesting. So how does that apply then to say, if we wanted to look at like a specific piece of functionality, is there a way to apply VSM to like improving like sub pathways, things like incident management or specific projects for IT operations? Is it when we're looking into going down this path, is it something that we should look at organization wide? Are we 
Can we concentrate on you know certain tasks that we feel like we're having trouble with? Definitely. And the, the principles of value stream management, which are about making work visible in order that you can improve the way that you do it so you can do it faster without wasting things and satisfying your customer, apply to all sorts of things, not just to software development value mm-hmm. stream. So some of the work we've been doing at the consortium, I mentioned the identity value stream identification workshop. We've also produced um, and are still producing a blog series um, called Is This a Value Stream? Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> I like it. It sounds a little bit like a kid's book, doesn't it? Is this a cat? Is this a value stream? Yeah, so we've done a few. And actually, instant management was one of our first ones. I think release management may have been our very first one. We have done instant management. What we normally do is me and Steve and Patrice often, and, and whoever out of the membership wants to chime in, we all look at it and explain whether it's yes or no and our, our reasons why. And I think maybe just take a step back for a second, like defining a value stream. Mm-hmm. The value stream starts with an idea, finishes when you deliver that idea to the customer, and it's the step of the series of steps in between. So anything that has a customer theoretically, or I often say produces a product or a service, is some sort of value stream. So by that token, you could say instant management is kind of a value stream. It doesn't really start with an idea. It's not value generating. What it's doing is responding to a problem. Yeah. Um, but it still has flow. So you can still use flow improvement techniques to improve your instant management processes. And it is a number of processes, which makes it look like a value stream. It's not just one process. But I think there's a more important relationship with value stream management and instant management in that instant management can really bog us down. It's unplanned work. And if we look at the four types of work in the Phoenix Project, that is the killer. We never put enough contingency in. Things go wrong. Things predictably go wrong, as in like we know things are going to go wrong. We don't know what's going to go wrong, but we know things are going to go wrong. So the way that we deal with it is really important. So the more that we can reduce the time spent on incidents, reduce our MTTD, reduce our MTTR, reduce the frequency of incidents, the more time we've got to spend on value generating, value adding, differentiating features in our products and services, more stuff we can give to the ultimate customer who's paying the bills, who's paying us to live effectively. Yeah, awesome. Who's out there using VSM today? That's a really interesting question because not everyone calls it VSM, but actually, okay. and I'll come back to that comment in a minute. So examples of speakers we've had at various events. We recently had uh, a webinar with IDC. IDC recently produced a Peerscape report on value stream management practices. Uh, it featured Netflix, as did our, you can see the webinar on demand through the vsmconsortium.org site and get a free copy of the report. The report also featured Defence Unicorns, so Brian Finster, uh, Shutterstock and Comcast Business. Last year in October, we had our first in-person event at the Valley Stream Management Consortium. It's called Floatopia. We held it nice. alongside DevOps Enterprise Summit in Las Vegas. We'll be doing that again this year. We're probably going to do a little roadshow as well, maybe one alongside the Fast Flow Conference in London um, in May. So that's all in plan at the moment. But at our Floatopia Last year, we also had, um, we had to have Brian and Sedja who were featured in the Peerscape reports. We introduced them to IDC, but we also had Booper come over 
We had a lady from Transavia Airlines as well come over to speak about it. Well, that actually, sorry, that was at a DevOps Institute event, but she was talking about value stream management. That's okay. the thing. Not everyone calls it value stream management because she pitched it as DevOps, but what they were doing is they were doing value stream mapping. They were aligning around value streams. They were using flow metrics. So they were using all the value stream management practices, but kind of front-ending it with a DevOps title, which is yeah. fine as well because – I think one of the things we suffer from in our industry, right, is jargon. And there's a counter argument that jargon is important because we need labels in order to understand what we're saying to each other. But sometimes we take them too far. But ultimately, we're talking about ways of working and established practices that do different things. Yeah, excellent. Now, that sounds fascinating. I'll look a bunch of these up and we'll put them in the show notes for folks who want to learn more. In addition to that, yeah, the vsmconsortium.org website that you've mentioned has a lot of information on there and we'll link to that in the show notes as well and the state of VSM report. And you've been very generous to offer our listeners a discount. I have. Yeah. I hope they take advantage of that. It's for annual influencer membership, which gives them access to the members portal, which has a recorded version of the Valley Stream Management uh, foundation course, which is uh, about eight hours of recorded learning, I think, and all sorts of other things, research libraries, resource libraries, um, all sorts of other things, and to our community as well, so they can meet and network with all uh, our other VSM like-minded individuals. That sounds amazing. So everyone out there who's listening today, hopefully if you found something interesting that you want to learn more about, you can take advantage of that and, and learn more from the VSM Consortium. Helen, where else can folks find you if they want to learn more or hear more about what you're doing? LinkedIn is always a good place. I'm Helen J. Beale on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, tune into the DevOps Institute as well. We have a lot of events going on there. Do you have a lot of events at the DevOps Institute? We do. We're busy bees. You are. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this has been great. I've learned a lot. I, I was guilty of knowing the value stream mapping part and thinking that was all there was that was going to be into this, but this is so much more interesting and so many more components here that will help folks on their journey to improvement and better customer experience out there. So I'm very excited. I'm going to learn some more about that. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity to chat about my passion. Excellent. Thank you so much again. And for everyone out there, we'll wish you an uneventful day and you can join us again in two weeks. That does it for another installment of Pager to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pagertothelimit.com and you can reach us on Twitter at pagertothelimit using the number two. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, uneventful days are beautiful days.